Welcome to the Audio Agenda Broadcast. This is Season 6, Episode 2, The BTK Killer. Season 6 is all about serial killers, criminology. We did Episode 1 on the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Episode 2 will be the BTK Killer. BTK stands for Bind, Torture, and Kill. In this episode, we will play the complete admission of Mr. Dennis Rader and his confession to the court of the acts he committed that led him to trial. I must warn you, some of it is explicit and hard to listen to. Asked him to lie down in the living room, 
and uh, at that time I realized that wouldn't be a really good idea, so I finally, the dog was a real problem, so I uh, asked Mr. O'Carroll if he could get the dog out, so he had one of the kids put it out, and I took him back to the bedroom. Uh, the family, the bedroom, they had four members. Mark, what happened then? At that time I tied him up. While still holding him at gunpoint? Well, in between tying and yes. After you tied them up, well, uh, they started complaining about uh, being tied up, and I re released the bonds a couple of times. Uh, tried to make Mr. Otero as comfortable as I could. Uh, apparently, he had a cracked rib from a car accident, so I had him put a pillow down on his his head. Uh, had him put a, uh, I think he Parker or coat underneath him. Uh, they, uh, they talked to me about. Uh, that, uh, you know, I was already, I didn't have a mask on or anything, they already could ID me, and uh, made, a, made a decision to go ahead and put him down when he was All right, what did you do to Joseph Otero? Senior? Joseph Otero? Yeah, Joseph Otero Sr., Mr. Otero, the father. I put a plastic bag over his head and then some cords and tightened it. Strangled her again, and that, and that, that finally killed her. That time. 
So this is in regards to count two. First of all, put the bag over Joseph Otero's head. He tore a hole in the bag. Then you went ahead. Did you strangle Mrs. Otero then? Okay. Did you go first back? of all, first of all, Mr. Otero was strangled, or a bag put over his head and strangled. Then I thought he was going down. Then I went over and strangled Mrs. Otero. I thought she was down. Then I strangled uh, uh, Josephine. She was down, and then I went over to Junior and put the bag on his head. After that, Mrs. Otero woke back up, and uh, you know she was pretty upset. What's going on? So I came back, and uh, at that point in time, strangled her for, for the death strangle. At that time, with your hands or what? No, with a cord, with a with a rope. Mr. Otero put the bag over his head, uh, went over, and then to Junior. Oh, oh, before that, she asked me to uh, to uh, save her son. So I actually had to take the bag off, and then I was really upset at that point in time. So basically, when Mr. Otero was down, Mrs. Otero was down, I went ahead and uh, took uh, uh, Junior, I put it in the bag over his head, and took him to the other bedroom at that what, time. What did you do then? Uh, put a bag over his head, put a cloth over his head, a t-shirt and a bag so he couldn't tear a hole in it. So he died. And I went back, uh, Josephine and woke back up. What did you do then? I took her to the basement and eventually uh, hung her. Hung her in the basement? Yes, sir. Did you do anything else at that time? Yes, I, uh, I had some sexual fantasies. But that was uh, after she was hung. and stabbing 
inflict the injuries from which she did die on April 4th, 1974. Can you tell me what occurred on that day? Prophet, the, um, I don't know how to exactly say that. I had many, what I called them projects. There were different people in the town that I followed and watched. Uh, Captain Bright was one of the next targets, I guess, as I would indicate. How did you select her? Uh, just driving by one day, and I saw her go in the house with somebody else, and I thought that's a possibility. There was many, many places in the area, um, College Hill, they're all over Wichita, but anyway, that's, it just was basically a selection process, worked toward it. If it didn't work, I just moved on to something else. But in the, in the my kind of person, stocking and scrolling, you go through the scrolling stage and the stocking stage, she was in the stocking stage when this happened. Alright, sir, so you identified Catherine Bright as your victim. Yes, sir. What did you do here in Central County then? Pardon? What did you do then here in Central County? Um, on this particular day, yes. uh, I broke into the house and waited for her to come home. How did you break into the house? Uh, through the back door, uh, the east side. Alright, and you waited for her to come home. Where yes, did sir. you wait? Uh, in the house there, probably close to the bedroom. I walked to the house. And What happened then? Uh, she and uh, Kevin uh, Bright came in. I uh, wasn't expecting him to be there. Uh, and come find out, I guess they were related. Uh, at that time, I uh, approached him and told him I was wanted in California. Uh, needed some car. Basically, the same thing that I told the Charles. Uh, kind of ease him, make him feel better. And proceeded to, I think I had him tie, I think I had him tie her up first. And then I tied him up, or vice versa, I don't remember right now. now let, let me ask, you indicated you had some uh, items to tie these people with. Did you bring these items from both the Oteros and for this location? The Oteros I did, uh, I'm not really sure on the rights. Um, there was some, when I had working with the police, there was some controversy on that. Probably more likely I did, but... Uh, if, if I had brought my stuff and used my stuff, uh, Kevin would probably be dead today. I'm not bragging on that, it's just a matter of fact. It's the bonds I broke, uh, tied him up with, it, he broke them. So. And, uh, All right. and maybe the same way with, uh, same with Catherine. It, was, it got, out of, got out of hand. All right, now you indicated that you believe you had Kevin tie Catherine up. Tell me what happened. Okay. I moved, uh, well, after, I really can't remember, Judge, whether I had her tie him up or she tied him up. But anyway, I moved, basically I moved her to another bedroom, and he was already secure there by the bed. Uh, I tied his feet to the uh, bedpost, one bedpost that he couldn't run. Uh, kind of tied her in the other bedroom, and then I came back to strangle him. And at that time, we had a fight. Were you armed with a handgun at that time? Also? Yes, I had a handgun. What happened? I actually had two handguns. Uh, well, when I started strangling, the, either the uh, parent broke or he broke his bonds and he jumped up a quick light. I pulled my gun and quickly shot him, hit him in the head. He fell over. Uh, I could see the blood, and as far as I concerned, he, you know, I thought he was down and uh, was out, and then went and uh, started to strangle Catherine. Uh, started fighting because the uh, bonds were very good and so 
back and forth. We fought. Uh, you and Catherine. Yeah, we fought. And I got the best of her. I thought she was going down, and then I could hear some movement in the other room. So I went back, and Kevin, uh, no, no, I thought she was going down. And I went back to the other bedroom where Kevin was at, and I tried to re-strangle him at that time. And he jumped up, and we fought. About, at that time, about shot me because he got the other pistol that was in my shoulder here. I had my magnum in my shoulder. So, in a really ice. Did you have it in the shoulder holster? Yes, and I had the magnum in my shoulder holster. The other one was a 22. And we fought at that point in time, and uh, I thought it was going to go off. I jammed the gun, stuck my finger in the gun in there, jammed it. And uh, I think he thought that was the only gun I had because once I either bit his finger or hit him or something got away, and I the 22 and shot him one more time. And I thought he was down for good at that time. All right, so you shot him a second time? Yes, sir. What happened then? Uh, went back to uh, uh, finish the job on Catherine. And uh, she was fighting. Uh, and it, at that point in time, I'd been fighting her. And I just, and then I heard some, I don't know whether I was uh, basically losing control. You know, strangulation wasn't working on her. And I uh, used a knife on her. You say you used a knife on yes. her. Yes. What did you do with the knife? I stabbed her. She said you stabbed two or three times, uh, either here or here. Maybe two back here and one here, or maybe just two times back here. You were pointing to your lower back and your... Yeah, underneath the ribs. Your lower abdomen. Yeah, underneath the ribs. Up, up under the ribs. So after you stabbed her, what happened? Um, actually, I think at that point in time... It was a total mess. I didn't have control on it. Uh, she was bleeding. Uh, she went down. Um, I think I just went back to check on Kevin, or at that basically same time, I heard him escape. It could be one of the two. But all of a sudden, the front door of the house was open, and he was gone. And, uh, or, oh, i tell you what I thought. I thought the police were coming at that time. I heard the door open. I thought, no, that's it. And I stepped out there, and he, I could see him running down the street, so I quickly cleaned up everything that I could, and that at the Otero she did not have a mask on. Did you have a mask on with the bright? No, no, I didn't. All right, so what happened then? Uh, I tried to, I had already had the keys to the cars. Um, and I thought I had the right key in the right car. I ran out of their car, but I think it was a pickup out there. And I tried it, it didn't work. And uh, at that point in time, I was, he was gone running down the street. I thought, yeah, I'm in trouble. So I tried it, it didn't work, so I just took off ran. So you had parked your car at Wichita State University yes, campus. campus uh -huh. How far away were was the Bright's residence? Oh, I parked. Uh, was it 13th? And they're uh, see they're they were on 13th. Was it 17th? Yeah, uh, I was I was just about one block south of 17th where the car was. Uh, there, there's a park there. I parked at that park, and then I walked to 13th to the Bright's residence. So I basically ran back. All right, so you were able to get to your car and get away. Yes, sir. Now let's turn to count number six. In that count, they claim on March 17, 1977, Cedric County, Kansas, that you unlawfully killed Shirley Byann maliciously, willfully, deliberately, and with premeditation by strangulation. 
conflicting interests from which she did die on March 17, 1977. Can you tell me what you did on that? Yes, before, uh, Vianne was a, uh, actually on that one, she was completely random. Uh, there was actually someone across from Dylan's was a potential target. Uh, it was called Project Green, I think. I had project numbers assigned to it. And that particular day, I uh, drove to Dylan's parking, parking lot, watched this particular residence, and then got out of the car and walked over to, uh, it's probably the police report address, I don't remember. Now, knocked, nobody, nobody answered it. So I was all keyed up, so I just uh, started going through the neighborhood. I'd been through the neighborhood before, I kind of knew uh, a little, little layout of the neighborhood. Uh, I've been through the back alleys, knew where some certain people live. Uh, while I uh, was walking down Hydraulic, uh, I met a young boy and asked him if he might need some pictures. Uh, kind of a rust, I guess, or rust, as you call it. Saw working wind, and I went to another address and knocked on the door. Nobody opened the door, so I just noticed working wind and then went to the house and went from there. All these projects, uh, these sexual fantasies, also potential hits yeah, from my world, that's what I call them. So, projects, hits. All right, and, and why did you have these potential hits? Was this to gratify some sexual interest? Yes, sir. I had, there, I had a lot of them, so it's just, if one didn't work out, I just moved to another So, as I'm to understand it, then, on the 17th of March, 1977, you saw this little boy go into a residence, and you tried another residence, <laughs> no one was there. You tried another residence, no one was there, so right, you went right, to the residence right, with a right, report. Yeah, and I watched, I watched where he went. What happened then? Uh, after I tried this once, the residence, nobody came to the door. I went to this house where he went in, knocked on the door. I was a private detective. Uh, showed him a picture that I had just showed the boy and asked him if they could ID the picture. And at that time, I, I had the gun here and I just kind of forced myself in. I just walked in, just opened the door, walked in, and pulled a pistol. What gun? What pistol? Uh, 357 Magnum. So you only had one gun? <laughs> yes, sir. Uh -huh. What happened? Uh, I told uh, Mrs. Uh, Ms. Wyan that. Uh, had a problem with uh, sexual fantasies that was going to tie her up and that uh, I might have to tie the kids up and that she would cooperate with us. Cooperate. Dennis Lynn Rader, born March 9th, 1945, is an American serial killer known as BTK, an abbreviation he gave himself for bind, torture, kill. The BTK BTK Strangler or the BTK Killer. Between 1974 and 1991, Raider killed 10 people in Wichita and Park City, Kansas, and sent taunting letters to police and newspapers describing the details of his crimes. After a decade-long hiatus, Raider resumed sending letters in 2004, leading to his 2005 arrest and subsequent guilty plea. He is serving 10 consecutive life sentences at El Dorado Correction Facility. Motive, sexual sadism. Murder in the first degree, 10 counts. Life imprisonment without the possibility of parole for 175 years, 10 consecutive life sentences. Victims, 10. Span of crimes, January 15th, 1974 till January 19th, 1991.
military career. United States Air Force, 1966 to 1970, reaching the rank of Staff Sergeant. He won the Air Force Good Conduct Medal, Small Arms Expert Markmanship Ribbon, and the National Defense Service Medal. Go into the rest of PTK's confession. Dennis Rader. Uh, went back, uh, she was extremely nervous. I think she even smoked a cigarette. And uh, we went back to uh, one of the back, back areas of the porch, explained to her that I had done this before. And, uh, and I think she, was, at that point in time, I think she was sick because she had a night robe on. And I think I remember right, she, was, she had been sick. And I, I think she came out of the bedroom when I went in the house. So anyway, we went back to the, her bedroom and I proceeded to tie the kids up. They started crying and got real upset. So I said, oh, this is not going to work. So we moved them to the bathroom. She helped me. And then I tied the door shut. We put some toys and uh, blankets and odds and ends in there for the kids. Make them as comfortable as we could. Tied, the, uh, we, uh, tied one of the bathroom doors shut so they couldn't open it. And we shoved, she went back and helped me shove the bed up against the other bathroom door. Then I proceeded to uh, tie her up. Uh, she got sick, threw up, got her a glass of water, comforted her a little bit, and then I went ahead and tied her up, and then put a bag, a bag over her head and strangled her. Alright, was this a plastic bag also? <laughs> yes, sir, I think it was. But I could be wrong with that. Put a bag it, it was something, I'm sure it was a plastic bag, yeah. You say you put a bag over her head and strangled her. What did you strangle her? Uh, I actually, I think on that, I had tied, uh, tied her legs to the uh, bedpost and worked up with a rope all the way up, and then what I had left over, I looked over her head. Right, so you used this uh, rope to strangle? Yes, I think I think it's the same one that I tied her body with. What happened then? Well, the, uh, the kids were really banging on the door, hollering, screaming, and, uh, and then the telephone rang. They had talked about earlier that the neighbor was going to check on them, so I cleaned everything up real quick like and got out of there and left and went back into my car. You say you cleaned everything? Well, I mean, put my stuff, I had a briefcase, uh, whatever I have laid around, ropes, tape, cords, I threw that in there, but, you know, whatever you know, I had that I brought in the house. And you brought that to the Bride residence also? Now, there is some, there, I, I think it was the basic stuff, but I don't remember bringing total stuff like I did to some of the others. Is this a kit that you had prepared? Yeah, I, yes, I called my kit kit. All right, sir. You left the Bayan residence and had you parked your vehicle here? Yeah, there? still in the same parking lot there at Dillon's at Hydraulic uh, and... Count seven. It is claimed that on the eighth day of December, 1977, in Sutton County, Kansas, that you unlawfully killed a human being, that being Nancy Fox, maliciously, willfully, deliberately, and with premeditation, by strangulation, inflicting injuries from which the said Nancy Fox did die on December 8th, 1977. Can you tell me what you did on that day? Here in Sutton County. Nancy Fox was another one of the projects. Uh... I was uh, trolling the area, and I noticed her go in the house one night, sometimes, and uh, anyway, I put her down as a potential victim. Uh, Let me ask you one thing, Mr. Brader. You used that term when you were patrolling the area. What do you mean by that? It's called a 
while stalking or trolling. So you were not uh, working in any form or fashion? Well, I don't know. If, if you read much about serial killers, they go through what they call the different phases. Uh, that's one of the phases they go through as a, a, as a trolling stage. You're basically, you're looking for a victim at that time. And that you can be trolling for months or years. But once you lock in on a certain person, then you become a stalking. And that might be several of them, but you really hone in on that person. Uh, they, they basically become the, that's, that's the victim. Or the, that's what you want to do. Uh, took some of her personal items and 
I cleaned the house up with her and I checked everything. And then uh, left. All right. Did she know you? 
Uh, casually, we'd uh, walk by and wave. Uh, she she liked to work her yard as well as I liked to work. It's just a neighborly type thing. It wasn't anything personal. I mean, just a neighbor. All right, so she was in her bed when you turned on the lights in the bathroom? Yeah, the bathroom, yeah, just to, so I could get some light in there. What did you do then? Oh, I manually strangled her when she started to scream. So you used your hands? Yes, sir. And you strangled her? Did she die? Yes. All right, what did you do then? Uh, after that, uh, since I was in the uh, sexual fantasy, I went ahead and uh, stripped her and uh, probably went ahead and uh, I'm not sure if I tied her up at that point in time. But anyway, uh, she was nude. I put her on a blanket, uh, went through her purse, some personal items in the house, figured out how I was going to get her out of there. Eventually, uh, moved her to the trunk of the car. Uh, took the car over to uh, Christ Lutheran Church. Uh, this is from the older church. And uh, I took some pictures of her. All right, you took some photographs of her. What kind of camera did you use? Uh, poor Lord. Did you keep those photographs? Yes, the police probably have them. All right, what happened? Uh, that was it. I, that went, uh, took, uh, she went through, I tied it, she was already dead, so I took uh, pictures of her in different forms of bondage. And that's probably what got me in trouble with the bondage thing. So anyway, that's the, probably the, the main thing. But anyway, after that, I uh, moved her back out to the car, and then uh, we went east. What occurred then? Sir? What happened then? Oh, uh, trying to find a place to hide her, hide the body. Did you find a place? Yes. Yes, I did. Where? Uh, couldn't tell you without looking at the map, but it was on 53rd, Queen uh, Greenwich, maybe. Maybe. Let's still Greenwich. I think between Wed and Webb and Greenwich, I found a uh, ditch, a low place on the north side of the road. Say you hit her there. Well, there were some, there were some trees, some brush, and I laid that over the top of her body. All right, so you removed the body from the car, put her in the ditch, and then laid some, some brush over the body. Yes, sir. All right. Sir, in count nine, it is claimed on or about the 16th day of September 1986 in Cedric County, Kansas, that you unlawfully killed a human being, Vicki Wegerly, maliciously, willfully, deliberately, and with premeditation. By strangulation, inflicting injuries from which she said Vicki Wagerly did die on September 16, 1986. Can you tell me what you did here in Sedgwick County on that thing that makes you believe you are guilty? Yes. Uh, again, Vicki was, Wagerly was another potential victim. I went through those different phases, uh, locked in on her, as I would call it, and uh, decided that I would try that date. I used a ruse as a uh, telephone repairman to get into her house. Drove there in my own personal car uh, around lunchtime, during lunch hour, or approximately that time. It's earlier in the morning than that. And uh, with my, I actually went somewhere else and changed uh, changed my clothes, what I, what I call my uh, in clothes. And, uh, in clothes. In clothes. Uh, basically different, you know, things that I need to get rid of later. Not not the same kind of clothes that I had on. I, I don't know the better word to use it, the crime clothes or hit clothes. I just called them hit clothes. Uh, anyway, I walked from my car as a telephone uh, repairman. As I walked there, I donned the telephone helmet, had a briefcase, went to one of
one other address just to kind of size up the house. I'd walked by it a couple times, but I wanted to check it a little bit more. Uh, as I approached it, I could hear a piano sound. And uh, went to this other door, knocked on them, and told them I was they, we were recently working on telephone repairs in the area. And I went to her, went to her and knocked on the door and asked her if I could come check her telephone lines inside. Did she allow you in? Yes, she did. What happened? I uh, went over and uh, found out where the telephone was, uh, simulated that I was checking the uh, telephone. I had a make-believe instrument, and uh, after she was looking away, I, I drew a pistol at her and asked her if she'd go back to the bedroom with me. Is this the same 357 magnitude? No, this, this was a different one. Pardon me. Asked her to go back to the bedroom with you after drawing a pistol on her? Yes, sir. What happened then? Uh, I told her, I went back to the bedroom, I told her I was going to have to tie her up. She was very upset, and I think we, I used some material that was in, uh, and that, that's another thing, I'm not sure, but I, I think I used the material that they had in their bedroom, and after I tied her hands, uh, she broke that, and we started fighting, and we fought quite a bit back and forth. She was physically fighting you? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. What happened then? I uh, finally got the hand on her, and got a, a nylon sock, and started strangling her. Wrapped this stocking around her neck? Yes. What happened then? Uh, I finally ganged, uh, ganged on her and, and, and put her down, and I thought she was dead, but apparently she wasn't. But, uh, after, after she was down and not moving anymore, I uh, rearranged her clothes a little bit and took some quick photos, I think three of them, if I remember. And then uh, after that, I, there was a lot of commotion. Uh, she had mentioned something about her husband coming home.
and dropped her off underneath the bridge. So all of these incidents, these 10 counts, occurred because you wanted to satisfy a sexual fantasy, is that correct? Yes. Does any party desire any further uh, matters to be put on the record at this time? No, Your I will find that you, Dennis L. Rader, have knowingly, intelligently, voluntarily waived your constitutional rights and entered your pleas of guilty. I will find that you understand the nature of the charges and the consequences of your pleas. Based upon your statements to the court, I will find there are factual bases for each of these pleas of guilty. I will accept these pleas of guilty and adjudge you, Dennis L. Rader. Guilty of murder in the first degree in count one, a class A felony. Murder in the first degree in count two, a class A felony. Murder in the first degree in count three, a class A felony. Murder in the first degree in count four, a class A felony. Murder in the first degree in count five, a class A felony. First degree in count six, a class A felony. Murder in the first degree in count seven, a class A felony. Murder in the first degree in count eight, a class A felony. Murder in the first degree in count nine, a class A felony. And murder in the first degree in count ten, a class A felony. Raider was charged with ten counts of first degree murder on February 28, 2005 after he pled guilty to the aforementioned killings. On August 18, 2005, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 175 years, and he is currently imprisoned at the El Dorado Correctional Facility. This has been the Audio Agenda Broadcast. I am your host, Lawrence Roberts, signing out.